Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week we're joined by Leonard, a.k.a. Dr. Faust is Dead. He's a YouTube LPer who started with the Soul series back with Dark Souls 1. I think you'll enjoy our conversation. As always, if you want to come on the show and tell me your soul story, send me a DM to at DGUSpodcast on Twitter, or send me an email to DGUSpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. stuff up i'm trying to get the platinum in dark souls 3 so i have like that cheat sheet open so that i can <laughs> oh yeah don't don't get me wrong i'm actually uh doing the same thing i oh, uh wow. had to uh start a new character because since i'm uh doing all the major video recording for uh the video series through my second playthrough um I can't actually play unless I'm going to record, so I just rolled a new character and started gotcha. going through the game again. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's fun. Um, I didn't I don't I didn't realize how like quick you can move through Dark Souls three because all I'm doing is looking at a guide to see where like all the new rings are in New Game Plus, and then mm-hmm. just going from ring to ring to ring and just mm-hmm. clearing bosses out as I need them. And man, it goes so quick when you're not like looking around for loot or bullshit. Yeah, I actually decided to do super ultra um, sequence break run attempt with the second character, where I uh, used the glitch to uh, beat the uh, dancer and get into uh, Castle Lothric, and you actually can't get into the Duke's archives until you kill the other three Lords of Cinder. Yeah, um, the Black Hand guitar doesn't show up until yeah you kill everybody else, which is kind of a bummer. But I kind of see why they did that too. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <clears throat> is this um, is this your first Souls game? Uh, Souls no, 3? it's uh, it is my fourth. So, would you start with? Uh, with uh, with Dark Souls. The Dark Souls one. Okay. Yep. Was that uh, 360? Was that PC? Or what's happening? 360. Okay. What led you to start playing Dark Souls for the first time? Um, Well, it's actually really kind of funny. I was uh, working for EA at the time, and it was either uh, an article on Kotaku or Giant Bomb that was talking about this crazy Japanese game, uh, Demon Souls, and... uh, I looked into it, and I was like, hey, this is supposed to be really hard, um, this world seems really interesting, and I scoured the wiki, because I was never gonna get a PS3, and I was like, hey, this this stuff looks really, really cool, I wish I could play it, and a couple of months later, the announcement for uh, Dark Souls 1 uh, was made, 
uh, and I was all over it immediately. <laughs> what were you doing for EA, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I was a QA tester at the time. Was it just, and you don't, and I can cut this part out if you need me to, was it down in Austin by chance? No, I was actually out here in uh, Playa Vista in L.A. Okay, cool. I just, I know some people down in Austin who did uh, play testing for EA, so I was going to see if it was one of those weird small world situations. (laughs) So, you see the... <clears throat> Excuse me. So you see the like kind of the pre-release hype and everything to get in Dark Souls. You started up for the first time, and how how well do you do? Like, are you looking at wikis to go through? Or are you trying to go in completely blind, or what, what happens? Oh, I uh, yeah, I started Dark Souls like when it. Uh, I was day one with Dark Souls, so there okay. was almost nothing, and I went in blind offline. And uh, made my way through the game, rolled a thief for my first class, and uh, uh, made it like a third of the way through Undeadburg before I was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna need to roll a different class. And then uh, started off as a pyromancer because I was like, hey, magic, uh, that seemed to be, you know not uh your typical sorcery so i went with that and uh managed to kill the pyromancer trainer in the depths (laughs) through my first playthrough so i never actually used pyromancy my entire first playthrough of dark souls one wow so like you just kind of missed out on that you'd be surprised how many people do that they like make some what what we call dumb mistakes now because we're familiar with the game, but like just some easy to make easy easy to easy to make mistakes. Yeah, that barrel that barrel trick is like still one of the worst trolls in in the Soul series, in my opinion. Like I had just never put it together that you could just roll through it. So I took a swing and he punched me in the face. <laughs> Did you actually have to kill him? I don't. I don't quite remember what happens. Like, if you aggro him, does he just go aggro, and you actually have to put him down? And yeah, I actually, uh, my hit actually did enough damage to him to turn him hostile before I knew that uh, you know uh, forgiving sin was a thing. And yeah, mm-hmm. I just totally had to put him down and had no pyromancer training my first run because uh, I ended up uh, immediately killing Engi too upon seeing him so i literally murdered all of my power master trainers my first run <laughs> in ds1 that's pretty hilarious oh that's so bad <clears throat> but you stuck with the game obviously like it didn't it didn't cause you to put the game down or anything no no i uh i was i was in it from the beginning i was one of the lucky ones i went down to the cemetery once uh managed to kill the first skeleton and said hey this thing doesn't give me any souls and it's really really hard i'm probably not supposed to be here so then i went to (laughs) new londo and (laughs) ran to my first ghost and said hey i can't hit this thing i'm probably not supposed to be here and then made my way to the undead bird well, that works out really well for you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm one of the lucky friend cases where I didn't beat my uh, head against the wall trying to get to an area that I clearly wasn't supposed to be in. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, what was that, like, 
had you played a game like Dark Souls before? I mean, it's kind of hard to say like what a game like Dark Souls is because it's it's kind of genre defined. But um, have you played RPGs, action RPGs? Like, what was your gaming history going up to that point? Um, yeah, I had played a lot of JRPGs, a lot of Western RPGs like Dragon Age, um, you know, Final Fantasy, uh, platformers. I pl- basically play everything except sports games. So, okay. um, Dark Souls really looked right up my alley when I first started seeing all the, uh, the teaser trailer stuff for it. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and really what sold me was a giant white wolf with a sword in its mouth. So <laughs> I saw Sif and I was like, oh, hey, this looks kind of like dumb anime, but I'm really into a dog with a sword in its mouth so this game <laughs> i'm me. really into dumb anime so this is really working for me <laughs> it, you know i am really into some dumb anime sometimes <laughs> nice that's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that at all i'm not particularly into anime myself but i think it's just kind of a generational thing like i just missed it as when i was in that in the formative high school years so i just have no idea like i just i just missed a bunch of it so <clears throat> right dark souls has a lot of like really evocative imagery like that though like if you watch the trailers and I'm one of those geeks that goes back and watches like the original pre-release trailers. Like some of the boss fights and some of the things that they were showing you, like look so dramatically different than anything you see in games even now. Like it just looks so like cool. Yeah, <laughs> like you um, just want to you want to play it immediately. Yeah, that was that was actually where I was when I uh, looked into when I actually saw the first trailer for the uh, Dark Souls. I was like, this look doesn't look like anything that I've ever seen, and it's taken, like, Western fantasy, which is, you know, a hard genre to do something new with, and I was seeing things that I had never seen before, and I was totally into it. Interesting. Did you ever um, go back to Demon Souls? Like, have you ever been back, or did you just start with Dark Souls and keep going forward? I started with Dark Souls and kept going forward. Maybe one of these days, if I pick up a PS3, I'll go back to, uh, I'll go and try my hand at the inscrutable <laughs> spreadsheet <laughs> that is everything involving Demon Souls. I've like, been tempted go- to pick it up, pick it back up myself because that's one of the. That's the only from software game since Dark Souls that I haven't gone to and gotten the platinum for or gotten all mm. of the achievements, trophies, and um, so I was kind of getting the urge the other day to to get into that, some of that. So I don't, I don't know. I might I might go pick it up, but man, I'd really just love for them to release a PS4 version at some point. Yeah, exactly. That's that would be the like optimal uh, uh, <laughs> choice for me that they mm-hmm. just re-release PS4 uh, remaster of demon souls and i'd be on top of that immediately and then probably yell about somebody poking me with the scraping spear (laughs) yeah i think if they did it they would have to bring it over like warts and all like i don't think that they could um do a port where they fix things like i I would almost want like all of the weird systems and like in character tendency and world tendency and like i would want all of that stuff to be exactly the same um like as because as bad as it is, like and there's some of it that's really, really like you said, inscrutable. Like I would want them just to keep that because I think that makes that game a little weird and a little interest, a little bit more interesting than if they smooth off all those edges. Yeah, it's it's the lack of polish in like the early FromSoft games that really kind of make them endearing. Like mm-hmm. the 
there's a uh, there's a level of entertaining bugginess that like Demon Souls, at least from what I've seen, and Dark Souls One definitely have that I would not want to see like erased from a re-release or a port. Oh man, just give me give me Dark Souls on PS4 too. Like just let me have one console that I can run all of the From Software games on. Like that's all I want in the world. Oh. Make that make that my birthday present from. Yeah, jeez, actually, yeah, having everything just at your disposal, I'd uh, fall into some kind of horrible lore hole that I'd never be able to <laughs> crawl out of. <laughs> Same. Was it the I mean, I know like the gameplay is is the gameplay and it can be kind of difficult for people to wrap their heads around, but um I know you've started a, and we'll get to it eventually, the, uh, your lore play through Dark Souls 3, but was it the lore that really, really drew you in on Dark Souls 1, or was it like strictly a mechanical thing? Uh, at first, it was uh, a mechanical thing. Um, when I first started, I was like, oh, wow, this game like is kind of heavy and clunky, and oh, there's animation priority. There's no, like, canceling out of animations. And I'm like, okay, so it's kind of like a fighting game, um, but not. And I was really into that aspect at first, and then I uh, picked up... I can't remember what it was that was my first item that had some lore description. But I picked it up, and I was like, oh, hey, you're going to do, like, story through items? And then I just, like, immediately stopped playing and went through my entire inventory reading every (laughs) single item description. And, you know, sat there, sat at Firelink for, like, 45 minutes going through all of the items that I had gathered so far. (laughs) And was like, oh, hey, this is... Okay, so this is what's going on. Oh, hey, that guy in that tower, that was Havel the Rock? Oh, what? (laughs) Yeah, these people have names. that They're not just like, they don't have like intros or anything in the game, but they actually have names and backstories and everything. Right. It took me a long time to pick up on that. Like, I I don't think it was until I was like probably a playthrough and a half in by the time I realized like I should probably be reading this stuff and really trying to piece it together like watching lore videos online finally got me to go oh wait there is more to this story so good on you for picking it up pretty early yeah I I was actually really really happy with it because I was genuine genuinely enjoying the the gameplay aspect of it um minus uh uh Capra Demon uh (laughs) I really hate that fight um and uh i was like this is like and and the uh the shortcut aspect of you know uh lordran lordran yeah mm-hmm. was the okay uh was was a really big signal to me that like this was a world that that they had created and that there clearly had to be more story somewhere than the non-story I was getting just through playing the game and that's when I made my way to the items. Nice. Nice. And so when does that transfer into a like a desire to put stuff on YouTube? Uh, was I know that's I don't at least I don't think that you did that until Dark Souls 3, but was that something that you had kind of thought about from the beginning or did it just come up later? Um I had always wanted to uh have kind of like a um narrative focused let's play channel. 
Um, I just had never had the resources uh, to do it, and I managed to get a, a PS4 a capture card and a mic uh, late last year, uh, just in time uh, for the Old Hunters um, DLC, and so I actually did a, a, a lore play through my first run of the Old Hunters. And man, that is, that's a, you want to see baby's first Let's Play, you should definitely (laughs) check that out. But it was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it, and I really got the itch to do more, especially with DS3 coming out, possibly being the last Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah, which, for a lot of reasons, I think is a good thing, but we (laughs) might get into that a little bit later. Um, So, like... Did you, with Dark Souls 1, like, when you finally finished it for the first time, did you keep going? Did you roll other characters? Did you get into PvP at all? Like, what what was your, like, when you finished it, like, what was your first reaction? Um, When I finished it, I said, huh, there's more than two, or more than one snake. And then I immediately (laughs) just, uh, I just immediately started, uh, uh, start a new game plus with the same character. I never really got into the uh, PvP in the Souls games. I tried it uh, with uh, with Dark Souls One, and you know how the matchmaking and just the general lag on the 360 was. I was just getting teleport backstabbed all over the place. Wasn't really having fun, and like understood that that was a big draw. Uh, to the games from everything that I had read about Demon Souls, but it just never really hooked me. So I uh, I uh, decided that I would just try to collect everything in uh, Dark Souls One because I'm a gigantic loot whore. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have all of the things. <laughs> I I actually kind of have to have all of the things if. Even if I'll never use them, I just want them. <laughs> just to see, there might be something new there. I'm, I want to see them all. It real, yeah. It's that's really the thing. And man, they are they're putting me through my paces with three because, yeesh, the number of runs I'm gonna have to make in order to get everything in that one is fun, fun, fun. I mean, and the the problem with Dark Souls three too is the problem that Dark Souls two has is like th- there's all of the stuff that you need to get for the trophy, but then there's all of the other stuff that you need to like check off your one hundred percent list. Like, you can one hundred percent the game and still like not have a bunch of the items. Right. <laughs> like, well, Dark Souls two having those two rings for um, completing the game without a bonfire, or using a bonfire and completing the game without uh, dying. Like, oh. Yeah, just ne- we'll never do that. Like I just, I'm just not that kind of gamer. I'm just not going to do that. So I've just never had those rings. Right. Yeah. I those. I I don't know who thought that was a good idea at FromSoft because like just the no dying one. Like how many hard like how many resets did people do just to keep like their five hour run like five hour 60 percent run of dark souls 2 from ending because somebody kicked them off a cliff or they clipped through something yeah, or just like any number of things like you can't pause the game so like somebody walks into the room and messes you up somehow like <laughs> right it could be just any number of things oh man i, I never did that kind of stuff and and, and i 
I'm not much one for challenge runs anyway. Like I've done soul level one stuff and I've done like pure sorcery runs and things like that, but that's about as far as I go. I don't, I don't get into it like Lobos does. Oh yeah. No, that Lobos is crazy. Sometimes when I want to feel bad about myself and how well I play these games, I watch, uh, Lobo series and then cry into my PS4 <laughs> controller. You know, I, I, I've I've heard people say that before, and I always like I'm like, you know, you can't. It makes me feel bad when people say that because like you can't compare yourself to the best people out there. Like I don't I don't mind that I can't do the stuff that Lobos does because like Lobos can do it. Like it's fine that at least one person out there can, but like I don't think that I'm. I don't. I don't get mad at it or anything. Like I don't get upset at my own my own ability. I'm just like, yeah, I'll, I'll never be able to do that. I'm glad somebody can. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 actually completely joking. Like I I w- I will play as dirty and nasty and cheap and p- I'll pull a whole room full of enemies with arrows, like. And one by not, one <laughs> and and not care because i've got like <laughs> like seventy thousand souls and i'm nowhere near to bonfire and i don't want a homeward bone <laughs> that's pretty funny so did you uh did you play ds2 on the uh 360 as well like obviously you were a big fan of dark souls one so like the hype had to be kind of unbearable for dark souls 2 if you were anything like me so yeah and i was yeah i was super excited for dark souls 2 and then i played dark souls 2 so you're 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 not a fan of that game it sounds like ah i love everything about dark souls 2 except what it for or what it does to the story of dark souls (laughs) I I had a real big problem with almost every single bit of like lore related thing in Dark Souls 2. Um and you know there was also like the kind of weird animation thing because they decided to do the motion capture for a lot of the weapon attacks so you got that weird once again styrofoam larper sword Mm-hmm. feel whenever you swung like a giant an ultra great sword um and i yeah i i respect dark souls 2 but it's probably like the my least favorite of the soulsborne games and that said like how many hours do you think you have in it in dark souls 2 oh man yeah i'd say i have mm, probably like 250 that's always my favorite thing about that because i have a like a similar speech about dark souls too like even down to the animations when it comes to like heavy weapons and things um and then but then i look i'm like but you know i probably got like 300 hours in that game (laughs) so obviously i don't it's not that i hate it or it's the worst game but it's just comparatively to the other games like you just don't get into it as much i'm kind of curious like what what was your issue with the lore in general just that it didn't like it wasn't like a direct sequel from Dark Souls 1 like it didn't have like your your favorite people returning or like the change of tone of the stories or what was the thing um i really kind of just dislike um well i really dislike the 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 cycle aspect of it and also just all of, all of the like the great uh soul bosses like the four souls that you had to collect i it was so winky to like Dark Souls One without being an explicit 
like reference to it so it's like hey here's the rotten hey kind of looks like Nito, right just saying but we're not gonna actually say that he's related to Nito, but he kind of kind of looks like him and i that i just found kind of completely intolerable because i just needed like enough things to line up one-to-one to make it feel satisfying and i never really got that in the end of two and also like the original ending of two always just rubbed me the wrong way like sit don't sit doesn't matter it's still gonna happen again really just rubs me the wrong way from like a lore perspective yeah not having like any direct influence over the course of the game i guess just makes it seem like it's kind of like why did i do all of this like even your character can't remember what why he did anything yeah, there's a huge lack of agency in Dark Souls 2 that I don't think that you had in uh, Dark Souls 1. Uh, because I really love the aspect of Dark Souls 1 lies to you as to what kind of game it is. Because you go into it thinking that it's a, a empowerment fantasy. And you get to the end of it, and you realize that everybody who knew what was going on just lied to you. Except for the one guy <laughs> that you have to sequence break the game in order to get to, who is the only real kind of straight shooter in it. Hmm. Did you uh, did you think that Scholar did a better job with that stuff, with the changes that it made as far as like enemy placements and like a little bit more thoughtful places placement of items and things like that? This is gonna make me sound like a really bad Souls player, but I hmm, haven't. I haven't. Uh, I haven't been able to bring myself to play scholar yet that doesn't make you sound like a bad souls player it just makes you sound like someone who doesn't want to put another 300 hours into a game he's kind of ambivalent on <laughs> yeah but i like there's a part of me that like definitely feels like i should do my due diligence and at least go back and see if i like it more i will say this um funny enough uh dark souls 3 has retroactively made dark made me like dark souls 2 more than I think I ever did. So mm-hmm. I am actually kind of interested to go back and play Scholar at some point in the near future because I ended up, uh, like, there were just things in 3 that were kind of callbacks to things that were established in 2 that really made 2 work a little more for me. Can you be a little bit more specific on that? And, and don't worry about spoilers. Like, I'll put something at the beginning of this saying, like, we're talking about Dark Souls 3 lore or whatnot. And most people who've listened to this by the time it'll come out are, like, pretty much have finished the game. So I'm not too worried about it. All right. Um, just, like, the the inclusion of, of uh, hey, look, Firelink Shrine has thrones. Like, thrones are actually a thing now. Like, that is how, well at least until you get to the end of Dark Souls 3, that you assume that's how people link the first flame now. You just sit in a fire instead of going to the kiln and immolating yourself. But um, (laughs) I really like that there's all, like, it always feels like there's a mechanical, when there's a mechanical change in the Souls games, that Mm -hmm. they justify it uh, story-wise. 
Um, I know most people didn't like the teleport in Dark Souls 2 because of the level design suffering from from that, but I really like the concept that, oh, hey, the Nameless Undead from Dark Souls 1 just unlocked the ability to teleport for all undead. Either oh, by, interesting. Either yeah, by linking the flame or by gaining the ability to do it themselves. So... Hey, guess what? Now all undead can teleport because your PC and one managed to. Oh, I've, you know, I've never really put that together before. That's an interesting thought. So, like, by you linking the fire or getting the Lord Vessel and then linking the fire in Dark Souls 1, you're unlocking that ability for everything going forward. And, like, that's why it exists in 2 and 3. That's interesting. I've never really put that together before. But yeah, it's 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 that kind of like that kind of weird like oh you don't really think about it because you're kind of used to sequels like innovating but oh hey there's actually maybe a justification for why you just start off being able to teleport in Dark Souls too. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I wish that kind of wish the game had brought that up at some point, but yeah. <laughs> some of the lore stuff in Dark Souls too that, that leaves a lot to be desired for me. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's it's Dark Souls two. It's it was better than ninety seven point five percent of the games that year. But as a sequel yeah. to Dark Souls one, not too great. Did you play uh, Dark Souls two on three sixty as well? I did. Um, yeah, I played uh, uh, two on three sixty, and um, you know, well, if you if you can ever find it on sale. Um... I, for whatever reason, I, f- I finished Bloodborne and Dark Souls Two had just been released. The Scholar Edition had just been released on PS4 like a month and a half later. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming from the 360, like that game running the way it does and looking the way it does, especially compared to Bloodborne, which looks like more complex visually, but also like a little bit more cluttered. Like coming to Dark Souls Two on that on that PS4 edition, like if you can find it on sale, it's I would recommend at least a run. Like it looks really really nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually yeah planning on on getting Scholar on PS4 sometime soon, just to like run through it and see and you know actually see if maybe my feelings on two have changed. Yeah, just to see if they actually like if the the the, the new stuff that they put it in changed the games somewhat. Oh yeah, that yeah that they had uh, they had changed around the item placement, changed around a, a bunch of the enemy encounters. Um, yeah, I did. You, I did would, you do the DLC in, in Dark Souls Two? I also didn't do the DLC in Dark Souls Two, uh, which I I've heard is actually the best <laughs> part of Dark Souls Two. Yeah, I think. Um especially from a, a lore perspective like that adds so much like it pulls in so much from not so much but it pulls in a lot from dark souls one and it it colors the world and like what vendrick was doing and who nishandra is and the role nishandra was playing in such a way that makes it it, it 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 adds value to the rest of the game which is pretty impressive for dlc yeah i uh i uh, yeah i had actually read up on on you know, not the same, but as playing through it, but read up a, on a lot of the lore of the DLC, and definitely want to know if if running through two with that stuff again really changes my opinion of it. Yeah, I'll be curious. Right in, you need to write into the show after because this will probably come out a couple months later, and um, if you have like an update, maybe we can tag something on at the end of the show sometime and. By the way, I did like Dark Souls too. I've never done anything like that on this show, so maybe that'll be kind of fun to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
Yeah, because I could probably run through two. <laughs> I I could probably run through two in like a week and a half. You know, it doesn't. Um, somebody mentioned this in the duck feed slide today, and I'd never really thought about it before. But uh, Dark Souls Two really excels in um, allowing you to get a build together pretty quick, and then like have the game in front of you. Right. And, uh, I find like with Dark Souls One, like by the time I get my build together, I'm I'm a pretty significant portion through the game. So like. Without doing like weird sequence breaks, and I think three is the same way too. Like by the time I get all of my shit together, like all of a sudden, like I'm, I just got to go through new game plus. So like in Dark Souls two though, like you can have by the time you leave the forest, you can be like level fifty or sixty, which is pretty low in Dark Souls two, and then like have the whole game ahead of you, which is pretty nice. After Dark Souls two, obviously the Bloodborne came out. Was are you like a lot of people, and did you buy the PS four specifically for Bloodborne, or were you already in by that point? I did buy a PS4 specifically for Bloodborne. Um, I it's it's actually funny if you had asked me if I was excited for a Dark Souls three after playing Dark Souls two, I probably would have shrugged my shoulders and said, "Eh, I'll play it." I don't know how like excited I am for it, but like when Project Beast got leaked, um, and I, yeah, it just blew the back of my head out, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is what I want. I need From's gameplay sensibilities in this, like, gothic, Victorian <laughs> nonsense, and, oh, wait, there are guns now? Yeah, I was all over Bloodborne, like from leak to. So this is this aesthetic really worked for it. you. Yeah, it really did. I guess first question, like, did you? Sony was pretty good about the twist that they were that the game has kind of midway through. Like, were had you been doing all of like the pre-release trailers and all that stuff, and you would already knew about that? Like, did you go in with full spoilers, or were you completely blown away by like this weird like Lovecraftian reveal in the middle of it? I was. Uh, I went in, uh, I played it really, really late after release. I actually played it in November, so it kind of was impossible for me to avoid, uh, the spoilers of the, mm -hmm. oh, surprise, it's Lovecraft, um, but, like, the execution of it, and I still give Sony, like, so much credit for their marketing campaign, because, I feel like if it had been like Namco Bandai had been like, there are werewolves and aliens. <laughs> yeah. Been cross branding with like the X Files or some shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> sci fi with the sci fi network. <laughs> but like Sony played their hands so well, which is like, oh hey, wrote Victorian horror. It's like up res nightmare creatures. Oh no, surprise, it's Lovecraft. It's Lovecraft and werewolves and possibly vampire people who might be related to the Thumerians. Yeah, it was pretty pretty intense, right? Like, that, that whole shift is... And I've talked about it, like, a thousand times on this podcast and other ones, but, like, that shift where you beat Rom and, like, the world comes down, or the moon comes down, and, like, you're like, oh, shit! <laughs> like, it's so good, right? Yeah, it's 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 great. It's, it's a... Like, the stakes feel kind of weird and big and nebulous at first and then like when the blood moon happens you're like oh this is 
oh, this is like, oh, Cthulhu's going to bust out and, like, just ruin everything because these people like their blood way too much. <laughs> what did you think about the the gameplay changes in it? Because it's, it's a much faster moving and more combat heavy game than, say more combat heavy, but like more melee focused than uh, Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 2 had been up to that point. Were you were you into that change? I love uh, I love Bloodborne's gameplay. I have a I have a pretty uh, extensive background with like character action games, and uh, like Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, like that. Uh, so like that fast, that kind of like weird animation priority coupled with mm-hmm. a character action kind of brawler feel like really worked for me in a way that um I, like i developed a comfort level playing my character in bloodborne that i've never ever really developed in any of the souls games like i don't worry about combat encounters in bloodborne anymore because i know exactly what I can do and what I need to do to get through through a situation. It really sounds like uh, Bloodborne up to this point anyway has been your your favorite game. Like you you kind of have I can hear something in your voice like how excited you get to talk about it. I like um I like Bloodborne because as of right now it doesn't have the weird Dark Souls situation of hey we have a sequel so we have to do more world building like Bloodborne is its own contained story and it's easy to parse together like (coughs) excuse me how everything works in Bloodborne a little easier than it is in Dark Souls for me and so like the aesthetic and the the twist and like this whole weird like sci-fi medical body horror aspect just really worked for me in a way that I hadn't experienced in like uh, uh, Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 2. That being said, I love Bloodborne's uh, gameplay and I really enjoy its story, but as far as favorites go, it's st- I still have to give it up to, to Dark Souls 1 for me. Hmm, interesting. I'm a I'm a big Dark Souls one guy myself. Just by the nature of it, just being my first Souls game, like I just I can't quit it, you know. Right. Yeah, I would actually really, really uh, like to go back and uh, and play through one again, but my 360 crapped out on me, and uh, no, yeah, and now now that Microsoft stopped producing them, I need to hurry out and grab one before they stop existing in the wild or just you know they're very much want you to buy that xbox one right like that's what they really want you to do <laughs> especially because it's backwards compatible yeah oh which man yeah. if if p like sony could just win this if they just made the ps4 backwards compatible yeah i, I think I, they um they they're too deep into this ps now hole at this point like they yeah all their games to be on the streaming network and I think if they had to do it over again, they they probably, although you know at the same time that like the PS3 was such a weird system and it has such a different architecture than the PS4 does, I'm not entirely sure that they could do it without raising the cost of the system dramatically. So like, 
like you know how they lowered the cost of the PS3 by taking the PS2 backwards compatibility out, compatibility out, like right. just by taking like those chips out. So, like I, I very much think that they won because they had that four hundred. I don't know why we're talking about this on a Dark Souls podcast. Sorry, <laughs> it's a, it's okay. <laughs> I think, but yeah, we though we seem to have a similar opinion about the the <laughs> the, the non console war that we don't really care about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, I bought a PS4 because it had Bloodborne. Like, yeah, that was the, pretty much the only reason. It just happened to also have like kind of the edge on everything else and be a little cheaper. So I'm, I've been kind of into it. But yeah, sorry, I put on my Dark Insight hat there for a minute. Which I'm <laughs> oh recording yeah, Friday, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That <laughs> was like... very much a Dark Insight tangent. I, uh, I've actually been listening to the show a lot recently. At oh, work. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. I'll let uh, Cliff and Vader know that they'll, they'll, they love getting feedback on that stuff. Anyway, so uh, what's your, like, as kind of a, a Bloodborne guy, and you said that you started, you finally started your YouTube station, your station, your YouTube channel uh, with the Bloodborne DLC. C- can you talk a little bit about that? Like, you had your, you got your parts and pieces together, you had the DLC, like, you, and you've always wanted to do this. Like, how did you approach it? Like, did you want to go in and try to make it a little different, or what, what did you want to do starting out? Um, so, uh... I'm not really a uh, particularly comfortable public speaker, um, and I really like talking about like the themes and concepts of games like this. So I wanted to do my Bloodborne Old Hunters uh, uh, lore play as kind of like this kind of casual conversation, like with me just like, oh hey, this you'll see like. Uh, Yosefka, like, oh, hey, this kind of looks like something related to Yosefka, uh, if you recall, and, like, just trying to have a conversation about it, and uh, it's, I'm not entirely sure that I was successful with that, um, but I really just had a lot of fun, um, um, doing it, um, because, uh, the, uh, DLC uh, commentary was all post commentary because I can't imagine anybody uh, how anybody manages to talk and and play a Souls game at the same time. So mm-hmm. I uh, I I went and did like a lot post com uh, did it all as post commentary and you know just kind of experimented with like kind of tone and and feeling that I was really comfortable with, uh, during that, uh, that, uh, let's play. Like, uh, I started doing a lot more editing as, as the series went on, like not just straight commentary over 25 minutes of me, uh, exploring the astral clock tower for whatever reason, just like kind of chopping it down and making it flow, uh, in a way that the viewers would probably enjoy. Okay, that's the hard part for me to do. Because uh, um, I've I've played around with doing LPs. I, ha- I think I have like three or four half finished on my YouTube channel. And uh, the the hardest thing is just like keeping that conversation going. Right. And I think I'd be much much more successful if I recorded sessions and then edited them to kind of look good or have a theme and then talk over them after the fact. Because trying to talk and trying to play is 
I don't like I don't I don't know how like the big streamers like your Peeves or your Loboses or like any of those guys do it on a regular basis. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That's a that's a that's a level of multitasking that I can't even begin to understand. Like Lobos especially with the challenge runs, managing chat and and like it's yeah, it's insane. It's he's he's Yeah, and being like personable throughout the whole thing like that's what kills me like not even being like a shitty person that just yells at the chat and is mean which i think is kind of like the easy thing to do but like answering questions and saying hello to people and like being jovial like that's yeah. just amazing you never see that dude melt down on stream which is insane right it's yeah he, he, lobos is a god among men so let's get into before we wrap it up let's get into some dark souls 3 territory um like, what was your hype level going into Dark Souls 3? Um, I was really excited uh, for Dark Souls 3, uh, but not nearly as much as I was from going into 1 into 2. Um, but yeah, after Bloodborne, I was definitely like, okay, I do want to see like like what's going on with three and then i watched like one of the earliest teaser trailers and i saw giant skeleton king and i was like okay done there we go that's all i need to see i need to see a big dumb skeleton wearing a giant crown sold like it's the dumb stuff in these in these trailers that always gets me wolf with a sword in giant skeleton king sold yeah, Giant Skeleton is pretty fucking good. Yeah. I I I love his reveal. Like the like the actual like in-game reveal is mm-hmm. is I think it's a lot of fun to have you like like them kind of create a jump scare even though if you know anything, you kind of see it coming because you're just trying to lock on to everything. But I really like that they attempted to have like a boo haunted house moment in one of their games. Yeah, with the with the skeleton, no less. Yes, with especially with the skeleton. I think that's what matters. Right. <laughs> Are you pretty? Um, like obviously you're doing your, and we'll have links at the at the end of the thing, and then I'll have links in the show notes. But you're going to be doing a, a lore play, and I've watched the. Is there only one episode of that? I think I've watched the only episode. Yeah, there's only one episode of the DS3 stuff right now. I'm I'm actually yeah scripting uh, the second episode, which is probably going to deal entirely with like. Uh, vanilla Firelink Shrine. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. And um, it's what's been your your process like? How does it change your views on the game when you're going back through and like starting over, basically starting a new character and going through from scratch, like and seeing all this stuff and trying to think about it from the perspective of explaining the lore? Like, how much has that changed the way you play or the way you approach the game? Um, I've uh. Well, I because I got into the Bloodborne lore so much, mm-hmm. um, when I went through my uh, first playthrough of DS3, I wanted to go through it the way I just go through my initial playthrough of any Souls game, which is I always do uh, offline, and I uh, never do an Ember. I, like, I'm almost never, like, Embered uh, during my first playthrough. Just okay. so I get like, just like the the basis like feeling of like what you like the least amount of information you could get 
playing a Dark Souls game. I'm trying to go through it that way and just see what I find by progressing through the game. And then when I start my second playthrough is when I completely, like, throw my spoiler cap away and start looking for everything. Like, yeah, either, yeah, like, start trying to do and, Trying to unearth every single stone that you can find. Yep, and and look look at it that way. And then I kind of try to balance my opinions on things that, like, lore things that really struck me and stuck out with me during my initial playthrough where I didn't really understand what was going on and now with this new level of understanding try to like connect the pieces that fit together and see mm-hmm. if there's like a through line that makes sense that way that makes sense and are you like as you're playing are you trying to script out the things that you're going to say in the video or do you you wait till like you get all your video clips together and then and then start trying to script around the video clips i'm actually i've actually started uh scripting uh like uh doing my recording uh watching it a couple of times and just kind of scripting out the flow of like we're talking about this and then we're moving to this area and we're talking about this and kind of get a byline of of my progression through the level and point out any little lore pieces that that um come up through the natural progression through the uh area gotcha that's interesting i i I hope you don't mind me asking a lot of questions about that i was just kind of curious like as you're since you're starting to do that stuff and you're just getting into it how it's kind of affecting your game you're not your game but you're that's how you approach the game so are you uh are you generally positive on dark souls 3 as as a as a standalone video game uh yeah i i really like three i (laughs) i do i um uh, and it's and it's weird and it's it's a thing that I I've, I've I've had issue um, that kind of causes a little friction between me and and people who like Dark Souls two, which is like the like wink nod stuff in two didn't mm-hmm. work for me at all, but like the direct quotes in three, which really seemed to bug a lot of people, like super super work for me. <laughs> <laughs> like I I am like I am so happy that Andre's like the blacksmith and people are like well why is Andre the blacksmith and I say well it's simple because in 2 they established that you if you have no purpose you go hollow well Andre's only purpose is to forge and there's war and strife in this land all the time so he will live forever as long as the Dark Souls universe exists because someone's going to always need some smithing done <laughs> you're always going to need somebody to make a weapon right? that's what you're saying and to upgrade your weapons for you. right <clears throat> that's interesting I have a um, I don't take issue with a lot of the callbacks or with a lot of the quote unquote fan service stuff um, but like Andre is definitely one that irritates me a little bit just because it's like it, his him being there is literally just it. Like they just put him there. Yeah, and, and he. It seems like they could have just done anything. Like even if they had done the thing, because you know they he was supposed to like reveal the path to the kiln and and Dark Souls one or whatever. Like he was supposed to take a little bit more of an active role. Like right. If they had revisited some of that stuff, like I think that would have been really interesting because it would change the way you look at the character. But yeah, I'm 
I'm kind of in the middle on some of this stuff, and I haven't worked out all of my feelings on it. And of course, you have to say stuff like, well, the DLC might change this totally. Like, you never know what's going to happen with DLCs. So. And that's actually kind of like, I think if I didn't go into Dark Souls 3 knowing that there was definitely going to be DLC, I don't think I would be as satisfied with the non-answers to things because I know that there is a chance that they actually might be addressed in the DLC. And, yeah. you know, as a and like a whole product, like, like you can't say that it's like, uh, mm, you can't say that Dark Souls 3 is worse than Scholar of the First Sin because like all of that DLC may, retroactively made Dark Souls 2 better. Yeah, absolutely. They talk about this a lot on the on Bonfire Side chat, oh, which I... is like the original Dark Souls 2 is a game that nobody will ever play, you know, now. Like if you go no new person will ever go back and play that game. Right. For better or for worse. And like the way that they've incorporated the DLC into Dark Souls 2, like especially now, like I remember getting the DLC on the 360 and like you opened up the game and like the key just spawned in your inventory. Yeah. You didn't have to go find it. Like and that was kind of lame, but in Scholar those keys are placed like in the world in very specific places that make you think about like the things that would the things that would have to incur in game to have those items be there, which is much much more interesting. Right. So like, yeah. So like until you have the whole picture of Dark Souls three, which won't happen until God, spring twenty seventeen. Out. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, like we just we just won't know about it, which is you know, it's it's hard to make those comparisons, I guess. Right. Because yeah, there's like there are gaping holes in my understanding of what's going on in 3 and that will either not be filled at all or won't be filled until all the DLC's out and that's why I'm willing to forgive the loose ends in 3 because I knew that there were going to be loose ends because there's DLC coming Mm -hmm. Um, do you have like a favorite I guess not storyline, but like, do you have a favorite set piece or NPC or storyline through Dark Souls Three that you've come out with and going like, "Yep, this is my jam. This is what I I want to do this over and over again." Like every single playthrough, I want to do whatever this is. Um, I uh, is uh, Sigward? Is it Sigward in three? Sigward. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I am all about Sigward's like quest line, and it's weird because I think it's because his quest line impacts other NPC quest lines so there's some actual like contact between characters in Firelink Shrine through his quest line which I actually really really dig interesting he's probably my, my favorite thing out of this whole thing so yeah, he's a he's he's great. He's you know he's exactly he's exactly what you want him to be as a reference, and he's a pretty good fighter. Cause man, that 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 stray demon is kind of a a, a tough tough one that early he's in the kind game. Of, kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, Seek <laughs> takes him on with hardly any problem. Right. <laughs> awesome. Um, 
Well, Leonard, I, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Uh, can you tell people that are listening where they can find you on the internet, whether it's Twitter or YouTube or what have you? Yeah, I want to say uh, thank you myself, Jeremy, and you can find me uh, on Twitter at Dr. Faust is Dead, and you can find me on YouTube. Uh, my channel name is also Dr. Faust is Dead. Excellent. And you can find those show notes, and I'll have links to that in the show notes as well. Um, and again, thank you thank you for coming out. I really appreciate you spending the time with me. Yeah, no um, problem. And as always, I've, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. I'm at JG Greer on Twitter. You can find this podcast at DGUS Podcast on Twitter. If you'd like to tell your story on the podcast and sit down and have a little conversation with me like I did with Leonard today, um, send me a DM or send me an email to DGUSPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we appreciate you listening.